was a <laughs> shitty clap. One sec. <laughs> Can you get a clap down? That was a great clap. And and there we go. Uh, and this uh, welcome to our the second episode of our cycle podcast. Um, I'm Jake Warner, our Cycle CEO and founder. This is Chris, our director of customer success, and Grady, one of our full stack developers. Um, and this week we, we decided that we wanted to dive into uh, some conversations that were spurred uh, from some interactions with our customers. Uh, the first of which is why we even built Cycle. Um, and the second uh, that we'll dive into later is how do we come up with the name Cycle and how does it relate to the product. And so to, to dive in uh, with the, the first of those, um, of why did we build the pro why did we build the product? But but yeah, so so we are in year five of Cycle now. Um, the first three years were exclusively development. Um, we we built the company with the where where so many other companies were raising huge amounts of uh, funding and hiring huge teams and, and blowing through money incredibly quickly. Uh, we took the approach of you know being a little bit more lean, uh, being more strategic with how we were building things. And we wanted to give ourselves time to adapt to uh, the, the ecosystem as well, as we knew that when containers were first introduced, years later, no one would be using them in the exact same way, right? Sure. And so um, when we started building Cycle, um, it was actually to solve a issue uh, that I had previously. So before I built Cycle, um, we, had, uh, uh, we had a dev shop. We just built products for other companies. I did know that. Yeah, and and so so it was it was time it was between uh, the time that I'd worked at a company called Single Hop um, and starting Cycle that I had this this dev shop and we were constantly building projects and, and products for other companies. Uh, that as as time went on, we we really became annoyed of having to manage infrastructure and all the other complexities that came up with that, right? And um, at around the same time, Docker was coming out, and we realized that you know by pairing this you know this the stress of managing infrastructure um, to you know this this approach of, of being able to utilize containers and stuff, it was that perfect kind of connection of uh, of a product that made sense. Sure. And we, we kind of took that approach because as we were as we were developing, uh, we. So before I built Cycle at all, I was I was involved in, in OpenStack, um, and I think I think I do I've, know what OpenStack is. I, th yes. I think you and I have talked about this before, yes. but I was involved in OpenStack, and the the company that I'd worked at before was was using OpenStack for for some of the things that we were doing, and and we'd use VMware and a lot of things. But uh, there's so many times that through the open source community and using OpenStack that I realized that so many people try with the open source community they try to solve so many problems this isn't a dig at the open source community it's just when you try to solve so many problems it's hard to actually solve those problems uh it's hard to solve one problem really well sure right and so as we started building cycle it was the idea of everyone else is going to try to solve every single problem out there where we just wanted a problem we just wanted to build a product that would make it really easy for dev shops, venture studio, SaaS companies to take what they've built and get it online. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so one of the one of the ideas that we've had as we've built Cycle was the idea that um, was the idea that instead of trying to solve everyone's problems, we would solve the problems that eighty percent of the market held. Sure. Right. Or, uh, that they had. The majority of the market. Exactly. Right. Because yeah. because I mean, if you look at the entire market as a whole. Um, 20% of that market has really, maybe not even 20%, has like those really niche 
uh, very specific needs. Exactly. Like, it's not something that you're, the majority of people are actually going to need. Ex exactly. And, and big it, world. Big exactly. enterprise <laughs> or something. And, and so, so that's why we decided, you know, we're not going to try to solve every problem. We're going to try to solve the most common problems, uh, and we're going to do them well. Sure. And it's, it's, we, we've seen it really resonate with more companies recently as we started to increase the amount of companies that we're talking to. Um, as most of these companies, their CEOs are saying, hey, you know, we're using Kubernetes. And I actually, I think I mentioned this in our in episode one of the podcast, but we have a number of these founders that are coming to us saying, um, you know, yes, we're, you know, it's great that we're able to tell people that we're running Kubernetes and, you know, it makes us feel good. Uh, you know, it's, it's a show that we can, we've accomplished, you know, maintaining our infrastructure via Kubernetes, but it actually it hasn't helped us as a company move faster. It hasn't helped us innovate faster. Sure. Um, and so we've had a number of these companies reaching out. Um, and, and, and Chris, you talked to a lot of these companies as our director of customer success. Yep. Uh, just uh, so many of these, these developers are saying, and these CEOs of these companies, are, are, are they're just looking for an easy solution. So it really kind of resonates. Yeah, a civil solution, um, something that can take you from, you know, just pushing containers live in the cloud quickly without a huge amount of bottlenecks, um, without the need to bring on specialized talent until you've validated the idea, without the need to grow an engineering team uh, just to, you know, use something that's supposed to be simplified. And you know, obviously, like you said, in these niche cases or in these ultra-scale scenarios of, you know, Google-size uh, deployments or, or things like that. You know, there's some there's some really niche solutions out there, but for Cycle, what Cycle does is it empowers the current team you have to kind of do some of these more modern deployments and not have to think about the data center, not have to think about uh, what the, what they're doing as far as the deployment goes. Let Cycle handle some of those things and really be able to refocus on the code. And I think that was like you know the story. I've heard, I've actually heard the story. Uh, you know, being here for almost three years now, probably quite a few more times than Grady. <laughs> and 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 one of the problems that you know you'd mentioned to me having before is you know I take on five projects in the span of say four to six months and for each one of these projects I'm doing a lot of these things over and over again and yeah there is some automation scripts that can be reused between projects there are some pieces that I can pull in um, but it's, it's it's also you know things that have to be maintained along the way and so your goal was you know to build this this product that really kind of eliminates that and is it it's you know one of the things we always say always up to date right it's something that you don't need to maintain because we do that for you it's something that you don't have to worry about it going out of date because we're paying attention to the trends and trying to focus on the ones that do make that 80% impact that are um, super helpful and when we talk to the customers that we do have and and even to new users um, a, a great cycle user that story really resonates with them you know a smaller team that wants a modern deployment or a medium-sized team that wants that modern deployment that really wants to keep things moving very quickly um, and wants to keep their dev team very niche and what one specific example I think that, that, that tells that story really well is uh, some of our customers that that work in like say AI um, they're able to hire specialist engineers and, and what they want is, you know, a mathematician mm -hmm. or, um, you know, someone very specific to the field that they're studying, if it's a medical field or something, but then that they can also teach to code. Well, there's not that much room. I mean, there's, there's only so much room for someone to be, you know, very, very good at something. And so to add, to, to completely eliminate the uh, deployment side of that with Cycle, it allows them to keep hiring in that, in that space. 
and so that that's also something I've heard from you know from that side of things from the customer side oh absolutely and I mean it's it's neat because that customer that that you're talking about well there's there's a customer specifically that you're talking about we'll, we'll save the introduction for a future podcast because I believe <laughs> that their CEO will be on the podcast but it's really interesting because one of their employees uh, one of their developers reached out to me um, I mean this is months ago at this point and he said hey you know I've been I've been writing code and stuff for years now but I've never deployed a bare metal server mm -hmm. and he, he was just so he just felt so it's like an awe almost. yeah like he, he, he was it was so cool for him to be able to deploy a server in a data center mm -hmm. and not have to configure just immediately be able to begin deploying code to it yep. and um, so um, it's some, it's some further some, some bird back there having an issue. We are in nature. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're in our backyard today. Uh, we're being COVID safe. If that uh, wasn't apparent by yeah. what's around oh, us. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But um, but with with Grady, uh, we are Grady actually was working for a company that was uh, a customer of Cycle when when we when we. Uh, well, Sometimes I mean it was it was a weird startup thing you, you know how it goes, um, but startup culture yeah startup culture but we we, we hired uh, we hired Grady uh, now we know almost exactly a year ago and <laughs> you're kind of bridging that conversation as as someone who was you know because you had used Kubernetes you had used Docker yeah in, in at least some form before you came to, I under, I understood like the yeah. principles behind it I never used it in a mass like mass mass deployment but the point being is like coming from at least seeing for my side, I was like, oh, Kubernetes isn't that bad. And then it was just, I used it just to deploy a website. And the hassle that I had to go through just to deploy my website through Kubernetes, because I was just having fun with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like the why not type thing. Yeah. Um, and then I started working for a startup, or like I was a part of a startup, and um, we were actually deploying real apps. And I was like, holy crap, this is so much easier to deploy an actual app with like just uploading an image and pushing and going with it um, compared to my experience with like multiple weekend nights trying to get a website up and running on Kubernetes just to try it. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and so there, there was, uh, so I, I was in an interview a few years ago with with Jacob Smith, the 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 co-founder of Packet, uh, now Equinix Metal. And during this interview, he had he had, he was talking about Kubernetes and how some companies are using it yeah. for use cases that absolutely make no sense at all, right? Sure. And he, he, he had described it as, you know, uh, a semi driving down the interstate, and on the back of the semi is a single brick, right? And, and uh, you know, so it's just completely overkill. And there's so many of these companies out there that Cycle just makes complete sense for, where they don't want to manage the infrastructure. They don't want to manage all these other things. They just want to be able to have those containers online. Um, it's like, and do you want to teach a mathematician to deploy servers, or do you want to just teach him to, not teach him, but be like, hey, like this. Guess what? That thing That's, you just, I mean, that is the thing you just wrote. I do yeah, teach yeah. You. Um, I mean, there, and <laughs> there's a the use case. There's a use case for everything, and then there's also customers that we have that are using a blended approach. And you know, Cycle allows them to get containers online, but they have other solutions that you, they use along the side. So it's not always just a, you know, oh, this is the only way. Like you know, we're very ahead. open and it, it's flexible, but then it's also standardized. And so they have this way of saying, okay, this is perfect fit here, or, oh, I might need this other piece. And it, it solves a, enough for you know, every case and every customer has been different so far. Hmm. Um, but going back to uh, you know, the point about you coming on and then uh, having used the product before yeah. and uh, with uh, one of our newest engineers, they, it, it's fun to see this because I remember when you were brand new, that we'll do a you know a bunch of QA as a team because we believe in you know kind of this 
full approach of making sure the platform is really resilient. Mm -hmm. And you had just mentioned Nick. Uh, Nick is one of our newest engineers. Uh, he had an experience where, do you, do you remember, he had the experience recently where he used something, he goes, oh, we can do this? Just by clicking this button? Was that SFTP? Was that two-way console? I think, yeah, I think it was with a Mongo container or something, if I remember correctly. Okay. It was something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it was like a flabbergasted those. moment. It, those, are, those, are fun, those are fun moments to have, right? Yeah. Um, because your, your product is giving someone the ability to do something without having to do a lot of the stuff that just isn't really that fun, like, you know, writing a YAML configuration or setting something up to connect to something else, like that, that not that fun work that, you know, it's already there for you. And then you just get to kind of consume it. And I think that's enjoyable for a lot of people and our, our customers, you know, definitely enjoy doing that. So like how, I guess, uh, it, like on that note then, how did, the idea of like the simplification, right? Cause like that's like the biggest thing we go for, for uh, with our customers in a good way. is like, how can we make this the easiest on you possible while still giving you the maximum features? Like how did that come about in terms of uh, like where, not necessarily cycles like naming schema, but like how does like all that wrap together? Well, yeah. So, I mean, as we were building the platform, we saw that so many people were focusing on you know, just a process that almost felt outdated. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I say that loosely because some people love diving around in the console and editing configuration files. But, I mean, we've also encountered, I mean, through our company, we've encountered developers yes. that are like yes. senior <laughs> senior developers that are like, I don't care about all that. I just want to use an API and, uh -huh. and a portal, right? Yeah. So, so we're learning that like, I mean, it's kind of, you know, there's this whole idea that for you to be a really good senior dev, like you need to love using console and managing all these configuration files. Sure. And Cycle's kind of showing that that's not the case because we have companies building really technical, really <laughs> cool applications. Yeah. And these developers, instead of diving around in the console, they'll just you, you know, jump into our portal. Yes. Um, and, and, I, and I love that. You know, it's just breaking down that kind of... That, like, I don't want to curl this. I just want to see it in action. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. And um, But yeah, to, to your point, like, you know, how do we, how do we keep things simple? And, and how did we, you know, come to, you know, I guess the cycle name, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, for 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 anyone who who is, is watching for this for the first time that that hasn't heard the story of or really is just kind of uh, uh, new into the family. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so so the reason we called cycle cycle is actually originally the product was called Revolution, and that reminds uh, me of Relentless with Amazon. Sorry, side note. I don't know the reference. Uh, Amazon used to be called Relentless.com. Oh. That's what Bezos first named it. And then it got, yeah, if you go to Relentless.com, it diverts you to Amazon. That's what it was originally named. But it was all his friends, or from what I understand, told him it was a terrible name. Kept going on. Point being, name change. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, so, 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 so Cycle, during its initial development back in 2015, was called Revolution. And the whole idea was that... Um, we wanted Cycle to be in a mod. We wanted we wanted to build Cycle around the idea that at least every X time interval, mm -hmm. everything would always be in sync. Um, at some point, I was trying to you know get a domain and and I couldn't get Revolution.com or Revolution.io or anything, and just the name Cycle came to mind. And I was able to buy Cycle.io from someone on PayPal for uh, thirty four dollars. Wow. It was a very <laughs> weird specific amount, but. 
you know, we were able to get it. It's and pretty cheap, actually. It was, it was an incredible deal. And so that obviously was what we named our product. But yeah, the whole, the whole idea that with Cycle is we have this, this loop inside of every single service that is running on, on Cycle, mm -hmm. uh, or at least every compute service. Um, so that means uh, our, all of our customer infrastructure um, and then some of our internal services as well. But mainly customer infrastructure uh, has this, this, this loop called a Cycle. And the idea behind the Cycle is that it runs every 15 minutes and during that 15 minutes it downloads a manifest and that manifest is a it, it tells what container should i be running how should my networks be built what firewall rules what load balancing rules i mean there's a whole list of it's, things that it downloads it's almost like that unwieldy yaml config file that most people don't want to interact with anymore <laughs> exactly but but, you, but our customers don't have to maintain that yes, right? yes yes and so every 15 minutes we download a manifest from from cycles core mm -hmm. um and as part of so once it downloads that manifest the compute service will automatically try to maintain the configuration of that manifest every 15 minutes, right? And that doesn't mean that you know if something crashes that it's going to be 15 minutes you know to, to, to come back online or anything like that because you can have restart policies on your containers, etc. Like like I mean, cycle restart, cycle will restart a failed container within about a tenth of a second, right? Like we, we, we attach you know uh, monitoring hooks and everything to everything you know to 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 everything. Um, but at the very least, having a 15 minute you know, iteration where we know that hey, this container should be running on its net for whatever reason, or this network route should exist on its net for whatever reason. We know that if our worst case is something is misconfigured for 15 minutes, that's a good spot to be in, and it brings a lot of peace of mind to us as a company sure. and to our customers, right? Um, and so uh, the other neat thing about that with with downloading that manifest is if that node loses communication back to our core the node will still maintain that manifest. It actually knows what to do. It, it knows exactly what to do, which yeah. is which is really powerful because like, suppose our entire core were to, were to go down. And, and that would be, I mean, that's that would be very, very hard because our, our internal core is spread across every single provider that we support to our customers, right? Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened, so. No, I mean, we, we, we could we could lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, knock on the there's line. some wood over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, but we could we could uh, we could lose, um, you know, an entire provider, not just a data center. We could lose an entire provider and our customers still would not experience downtime. Sure. Um, it, actually, in fact, because of this manifest that we're talking about, we could lose our entire core and our customers would not experience downtime. Uh, now they would, they, they no longer would be able to uh, to start and stop containers at that point, but at least the stuff that they have running at that point in time will stay live. Would continue to stay live, which is huge. Um, and and that, that that's one of our things. Like with within Cycle, we spend so much time not necessarily planning for or you know, like hoping nothing ever goes wrong. Mm -hmm. It's infrastructure stuff is going to go wrong, right? Like it's there's so many variables, whether it's power outages, network drops. Like there's just so many possibilities for things to go wrong that um, our goal isn't to sit here and hope that they don't go wrong. It's how do we make resilient and, re and redundant platforms, um, or re a platform in, in our case, um, so that if something does happen, um, that's okay, right? It's, it's like, what have you said? Uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but you've said it before. It's like, don't plan on redundancy, or what? what is it? Well, I, I don't mean that, but I just mean in the sense of, right, like, it's like expect things to go wrong, but, like, Build. Plan for the worst. It's yeah, but like build, build for that. For don't don't build to have backup to then have another backup to then have another backup. It's like if you keep building backups on backups, you're not solving the core problem at hand. Exactly. Well, and and it's it's one of the the ideas that I have. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm probably I'm, I'm I'm definitely not the only person that thinks this way, uh, but um, it is. I believe that the concept of failover is terrible. 
Sure. Um, because back when back when I was working, it's a crazy at, concept actually in today's post, day and age. Post your, <laughs> post your thoughts in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> but but back when I was working at Single Hop and, and things like that, there were so many times where we had failover processes uh, that would fail to fail over, right? And so then you'd have a full outage, and it's like, well, I thought we had a disaster recovery or, or a failover policy in, in place, and I mean. I mean, I guess disaster recovery is, is very different than a failover. But like, you'd expect like a failover, like a load balancer, to automatically fail over to you know another site or something if something was wrong, or sure. an aggregate router or, or something like that, right? Um, and uh, so you expect, you know, the, the problem with having a failover process is it's another thing that can go wrong. And, and with cycle, you know, other than other than that loop, the, the general idea is the more moving pieces, the more likely something is to fail, right? Um, and so we, we try to have everything atomic. We try to have everything, uh, I mean, no, as few moving parts as we can, sure. right? Other than that one loop that just goes through and makes sure that everything is aligned with that configuration at that point in time. Um, and so one of the philosophies behind how we've built stuff with Cycle, with, with the idea of not having failover, is, and again, we're not the only people that have done this, but it's the idea of instead of having active-passive, it's just always active-active. That way, if you have instead of having you know your you know a is online and b should come online if a goes down it's a b we'll, we'll just run a and b at the same time yeah, sure. and if one of them goes down it doesn't matter they're both still there right and it's not and you're not hoping that something fails over properly because they're just always there um and so this is how we built i mean with uh, chris if you want to dive into it like even in our portal and with our api how we have deployment strategies how you can choose you know i want something highly available right right and so yeah uh, you know, you can deploy using any of the predefined deployment strategies or through the API, you can kind of create your own, but what it does up front is it allows you to kind of select, hey, I've got this pool of resources, how would you like to Cycle to treat those with your instances? How many instances would you want? And, and basically what you're saying is, how would you like Cycle to spread them out? Do you want to spread these out to the servers that have the most resources available? Do you want to plan for high availability? Um, do you want to manually place a couple of instances on this server or on this server? And you know, at the end of the day, what you don't have to worry about is you don't have to worry about necessarily maintaining or coming up with the best way to you know distribute those. Cycle will handle all of that because it's got already we've already you know developed that feature. All you have to do is pick the one that best fits your needs, and so that kind of falls in line with this whole simple model of here's my service. This is really what I need at the end of the day. And Cycle, please take care of making sure that these, you know, instances are deployed in this specific way, mm -hmm. which I think can be really helpful. And also, it kind of leads to one of my favorite patterns, right? It's it's not over-engineering the first version or the second version or the third version. It's this scenario where teams are able to get things up and running quickly, look at what's actually happening, and then make decisions based off of that, which are real. And it's so much easier to look at something and say, hey, look, this is actually happening. We don't want HA. This, you know, this process is, is eating, you know, this much resources. We actually want this to be on resource density and, you know, because this instance is going to need a lot more, you know, uh, CPU or RAM or whatever it is. And you can make that change by clicking a drop down, but you haven't spent all of this time engineering a solution that you now won't ever use. Sure. And I think that's incredibly important. Absolutely. And, and, and with one of the big, I mean, we're talking about a lot of fundamental things about the company today, but one of the biggest is probably our approach to taking control of the vertical stack. 
it's something that I've talked about, you know, obviously a lot in our company. Just a little bit. The <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of talk about this internally. I mean, but, the fact that he said it like that, and he hasn't heard this story about well, I The thing is, I've heard, I've heard clumps of the story... Overall, but every time I'm, I've heard it, there's new things that always come out about it, which is just inevitable because mm. it's a fast-moving startup. Generally, context, right? It's yeah, like context. I'd be like, we did this because of this, but it's not the all. It's not the whole picture, exactly. Sure. Yeah, but so 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 vertical uh, taking control of the vertical stack um, is something that we put a lot of emphasis on as we were building our company. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar with the term or the concept, um, think about how like. Like SpaceX, right? Yeah. And, and I know we're moving from from infrastructure to something completely to rockets. different. Yeah, to rockets. <laughs> well, well, SpaceX did an incredibly good job at that. Um, where where you know United Launch Alliance and, and so many of these other companies were spending, you know, they have a factory for this, they have a factory for this, they have to outsource this part from here, they have to outsource this part from here. Like there's so many different kind of people that were specializing in so many different things that yeah, supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. That by the time it actually got back to we're, you know, we have a pro, you know we have in, in SpaceX's case a rocket. Um, there was just it, it was just it would have been so expensive. Where where SpaceX with with, with Elon had you know there was the whole idea of we're going to bring in raw resources into a single factory and output a rocket. Sure. Right, and it allows them to build rockets now at like. I think it was like an eighth of the cost or something like that. Don't quote me on it. But it was, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge decrease in cost. Yeah. And it allows them to iterate, allows them to just keep building rockets faster. I mean, we've seen the same thing with Tesla, you know, just being able to build all those different components internally. And I, I know there's some components that, that do get, you know, outsourced to third parties and other vendors. Mm-hmm. But compared to most car companies, so many of, they control so many of the components. And I guess the final example that I'll use today is Apple. Like, Apple's a huge you know proponent well they're a huge proponent of vertical integration exactly I mean, how can I control everything from the manufacturing plant to the store you buy it from like exactly but in, in, pure in, definition and in the process they're able to like the biggest thing that I believe vertical stack integration the biggest benefit that it gives is quality sure if you can control so many of those you know knobs along the way um, it's also consistency. Yeah, yeah, it, well, yeah, consistency through quality, right? Yes. If, if you know that you're going to get a good product every single time, it just, it just, it just is, you know, really. But to have control of the vertical stack, you need data, you need information, and this is why, as we we loop back the cycle, with cycle, it's why we. It's why the first step in cycle is link us to your infrastructure. Drop in an API key, mm-hmm. and this can't be existing infrastructure, right? It has when you deploy infrastructure through cycle. Cycle deploys new infrastructure under your provider account, right? Like if you're using AWS, you can absolutely still use AWS, but we deploy servers for you yep. at AWS under your account, so you still own the infrastructure itself. But when we deploy those those servers, they boot using Cycle OS. Which, so now immediately we as a company know exactly what version of the kernel it is. We know exactly what that operating system is capable of. Versus, if, you know, if you're using another you know, DevOps tool, who knows if that kernel is fully Maybe compatible with everything. 5.11 instead of 5.9. And, and, <laughs> and you're spending so much time trying to decide, are these things, are these machines even capable of running, you know, the services that I want? Because honestly, right now, the modern tool set for cloud native or a cloud deployment is it's 
growing even more rapidly. And when you're looking at a more unified standardized um, type of service like Cycle, you're not making any of those decisions. And again, it brings you back to, okay, now I focus more on my product. And now more than ever, I mean, things are just keep getting more and more and more competitive. Focusing on your product is probably always the best use of your time. And to really bring that full circle with your example on NASA, you know, they're currently giving their... SpaceX. SpaceX. Okay, but I'm using, <laughs> I'm using NASA I'm using, for SpaceX. NASA is buying from who? SpaceX. Yep. Yep. And they're buying a solution to abstract that production away. Because why? SpaceX is very, very good at solving one problem. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that's just kind of the things you're seeing in the market right now is, it's how do I solve this one problem very well and without slowing me down? Absolutely. And that kind of, kind of without saying the wrong name of a company, that kind of brings it full circle to, you know, your original point of, you know, the vertical integration. And well, and the other thing is the vertical integration gives us so much control, right? Yeah. It gives us when, you know, if, if you're not using Cycle and you're using another DevOps tool, um, do they know the entire setup of how your application is deployed? Do they know, you know, not just, not, I mean, not just high level things like, I mean, I yeah. I was going to say, it's, you know, it's understanding the full scope of, of of everything throughout top to bottom. Exactly, like the, the the fact that our our platform can can you know know everything from what flags are enabled at the kernel, you know at, at what provider, yeah. at what location, all the way up to the fact that we know exactly what port you want to listen on a container, sure. and we we could tell you you know the average amount of CPU that that container uses over X amount of time. Yeah. Right? And uh, so our goal, kind of bringing everything full circle, is the whole eighty percent. Right. If our goal is to solve you know these these issues for eighty percent of the market and not get into super niche cases, but that doesn't mean that we don't want companies who are building really complex things on top of our platform, because even though our goal as a platform is to solve that eighty percent, if we can you know give those companies that access to the data that we have about their applications or their infrastructure or you know telemetry information about how much RAM or CPU they're using. Chris really um, looks like he has something to say. It's metaphor time. Oh, God. Remember uh, <laughs> remember my big O notation metaphor yeah. for scaling complexity in yeah. the cloud? Yeah. This might, if you are super, uh, I'm not a com computer science graduate, so if any parts of this are incorrect, it's meant as a metaphor. But <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I think that's really interesting is, is what you're saying is, if it, just because cycle is simple, doesn't mean that it should rule out someone bringing a very complex project. It should be completely the opposite. If you have an incredibly complex project or product, Cycle should definitely be something that you consider because the idea of going from one machine to a billion machines, if you were using O to the N, right, or a thousand machines, right, a thousand servers, that if you're managing each one of those machines, that could, that, that that complexity is going to scale at O to the n squared, we'll say, right? And and what we're looking at is more of a kind of the flat. What's the O to the one is the flattest one. O to the, the medium one. O, o to the, the log, log n. O to the log n. O to the log n would be like it kind of goes up a little, right? There's a there's a learning curve, but you get it, you get it, and then it's pretty much flat. It. I think well, that that plays in because when you say I've got this super complex project. You're not restricted so much 
by the simplicity. If anything, it should feel freeing. If anything, it should come to us. And if our, our product, like you know, if not cycle, something that brings you simplicity because you're able to solve the problem. And if you outgrow it in any way, a simple platform should be very easy to move things to if you have a part of it that doesn't fit anymore, a different service. And so I, I would almost argue that it's the other way around, that it's, it's, it's almost a, you know, a simple product first, leading the charge for complex projects to, to build on. And we've seen that a number of times with, with, with companies that are using Cycle today. They start with a very simple use case. You know, mm -hmm. We're going to get, you know, we're, rather than moving over 100% of our, our, our company today, we're going to move over 50, 60% of it. Right. We're going to test those use cases because yep. those are the use cases that very easily make sense. Um, but once we get those up and running, we, mm -hmm. you know, we'll move over more comp more complex things that might require you know a level of integration. This goes back to, as we were talking about in in the first episode of this podcast, the 951 questions, right? Right. right. Most of those companies uh, that they might not even need question 951, right? Question they probably don't. <laughs> they might not, right? I mean, the cycle might be enough to get them through everything they need, yes, uh, without any extra questions, but. Um, th we, uh, there will always be those companies that have more specific and more technical use cases where we don't want to, to push them away. We want, we want to welcome them in. Um, I mean, crap, I built a feature on the fly yeah. the other day. It was because a company was using something that we didn't realize was being used in that manner uh, mm -hmm. via the API. And so by that, the end of that night, I built it into our portal so that they could use it from our portal. And it was like, right, stuff like that, though. It's like, definitely, it's definitely. like building in features that, yeah, they were using, but also we could see the use case where other customers could use this totally. It's one thing that's interesting, too, and it would be interesting to share with people that this is not a story that I've actually ever, it's not a question I've asked or a story I heard, and I don't know if you actually have a process for this. But one thing that I've always thought was impressive was you've been in the container game for several years and somehow managed to avoid all of the hype features that have been out there. And I can't think of off the top of my head exactly one or two, but you know, there was like everyone saw containers and just kind of went like this. And then there was this massive expansion and then there was kind of a contraction and here's, you know, cycle kind of just on this one plane, always kind of pointing true north to let's make containers simple. Um, but there were so many opportunities to, say, add features that would have only helped 10% of the users. Um, do we, I, I guess I don't know the answer to this. Is there a process that you use to evaluate new features or? Is it just what comes to mind? <laughs> or is it just the basic rule if it doesn't help 80% of our users, we don't generally yeah. do it? I mean, I think that's a big part of it. But the other thing, it's, 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 it's an interesting line to walk where we've had to say no to companies. We've had to say no to customers. Uh, where, I mean, literally this morning, was it was it you that was talking with? I don't want to give names. Yeah, but with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> like, there's, we were no, talking, there's no context. We were talking with a customer <laughs> and they wanted a specific, they, does, does Cycle do this? And, or could it? And um, instead of saying, yes, we'll do that, we just provided a bit of context on how it can be achieved. And it's not, it wasn't a, a tough workaround or anything. They just wanted a, a solution to it, right? Yeah. But had you, you know, not, I mean, we've done a good job of not being like, yes, of course, we'll add that real quick. And, and polluting um, the feature set. 
Yeah. And so I guess that's what I was alluding to. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's exactly that, right? It's, it's that it's that weird line to walk where you know we we put our customers first, right? Like there's two things we pride ourselves on as a company. One is a great customer experience, and the second is forward-facing tech, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we you know everything else is kind of below that. But those are the two main things. It's hard though to be forward-facing and not be on the hype train. <laughs> and I would say that we're almost anti-hype. <laughs> But and, and not and like in a good way. I I mean personally for me like I mean I I want to see customers succeed. That's my job title. I don't want them to get caught up in the hype. And I do. I mean I'm not an engineer all the time, but I do write code and I do see how easy it is to like you see this new flashy thing and you're like oh my god, let's do that. You know it's I don't know. I mean I think that that's that's always been one of my favorite things is how stable and how um, uh, kind of. I don't want to say predictable, but how well, uh, yeah, well channeled it's been. Yeah, it goes back to the whole like vertical stack thing. It's consistency. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Consistency is consistency is is number one, and it's key. But but yeah, I mean, it's so hard to be in a position where you want uh, you want to make you know all of your customers happy, right? You don't want to say no to anyone. But but. And, and, it's never, it, 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 and it's never always just like a, it's never like a no, right? There's always a hey, we're not going to add that to our platform because it doesn't fit our eighty percent philosophy. Right. But here's how you can still do that. Well, yeah, it's like here's the perfect solve. example. Everyone thinks that you have to have an auto scaling solution. Cycle out of the box will not auto scale your infrastructure. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, that that is one of the things that we will be adding. I know, uh, just not yet. I know, but it's not it's not a part of the original solution. And at first, you know, being semi naive, I was like, oh, well, that seems kind of strange. Why wouldn't we do this? And then after seeing so many people use the platform and understanding a little bit more about uh, you know cap theorem and and data consistency and wanting to make sure that we provide a stable kind of uh, trust, you know, obviously trust in the infrastructure game. Um, platform it, it, it does make sense now but there had to have been so much pressure at certain points I mean I'm sure that we've had certain people say oh well you know maybe this isn't you know the right choice because you don't have that um, but then we've also had people make that turn that into a success of their own correct yeah it, it's really neat that we have had companies implement their their own auto scaling on top of cycle yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite things but yeah I mean at some point we will release some auto scaling but unlike unlike you know I think a lot of companies that uh, you know it's, it's all really metric based where you know you, like with so many products you feel like you have to like punch it and like you know like attack it to get it to auto scale the way you want because mm-hmm. there's so many Different bells and whistles. It's like the dials you gotta you exactly gotta right. Like, perfectly to get it to work the way you want. Are, are, I mean, so you can scale to cycle today mm-hmm. using what exists today, right? Sure. Using our, our scaling strategy, right? Right. And the scaling strategy is either is literally you tell cycle, I want this number of instances, mm-hmm. and because you've already attached the deployment strategy, cycle knows, oh, using that deployment strategy, I will get you to this number of instances, mm-hmm. right? So, so all of that is already built. So we can already scale stuff today. Mm-hmm. But the auto scaling component of automatically watching for events is something we haven't we haven't not done yet, um, and we spent a lot of time kind of internally thinking about how do we build that without making it so complex that you have all these dials and everything that you need to change, and um, we haven't implemented it yet. But one of the things that we're, we've really started to kind of think about is 
let's just make it a webhook. Let's literally call out to someone else. You know, if, if you want to auto scale something, we'll call out to you. We'll, we'll give you, you know, the latest X number of minutes of telemetry information. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so if, if we call out every minute and say, hey, here's the CPU usage and the RAM usage of your stuff aggregated over the list, what do you want us to do, right? And so it kind of goes, like at first, it sounds like it goes against our simplicity story, but at the end, it actually almost reinforces it because instead of you trying to take something that someone else kind of designed and make it work to the way you want, mm -hmm. we're just giving you the information and, you tell us what's and you're just gonna respond with a single number that says, this is how many I want. And then we'll just adjust accordingly to that. Um, and so it, it, again, it's one of those things that sounds like we're, it's against simplicity, but at the end it actually might be the simplest approach. Um, Instead of having 8,000 knobs in to turn. We, <laughs> we literally had a company uh, uh, last year that said, hey, I want to auto-scale based off of Google Analytics metrics. Right? Like they could, can, But uh, they could build a script that does that with that webhook. That's, it's, the, uh, that's yeah, exactly that's, what I'm saying. It's customization with some... It, again, sounds more complex, but with simplicity and reality underneath. Exactly, because that, that instead of us trying to be like, oh, you know, let's add a Google Analytics auto scaling strategy into Cycle. That's the thing; it's not them... impossible to scale your infrastructure. You just use the API. But it goes back to what I said earlier: getting something out there and then looking at it and seeing how it actually exists. It feels so much more relevant when you build a solution um, around that than if you try to guess from the beginning and then you're turning knobs. Absolutely. Right? And I just I was just kind of talking to the the uh, ability to wait on that and wait and see what would actually be the impactful best way to uh, implement that, you know, not that it's never coming. But I am excited to use it. That would be fun. There's a lot I could I could say about it, but at the same time, I think we're probably going on yeah, somewhere around 40 40ish minutes. I don't know. Yeah, it's somewhere somewhere in that range. As we just got a thumbs up, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're getting through the train. <laughs> Hook them off. Um, well, I, well, excellent. Then I mean, it sounds like it's I like... understand cycle now. No, I've always I've always <laughs> understood cycle, but I really but it's it's cool. Yeah, otherwise that would be scary, very <laughs> oh, scary man. thought. Um, but it's actually it is cool to hear, you know, the story reiterated every time because every time I feel like I I personally get more more out of it. It's cool. Absolutely. So, also I think now, a lot of the best products end up starting with a problem. And then there's this team of people that most they just want to they just want to solve this one <laughs> problem for themselves, and they do that, and then it really resonates with other people that have had the same problem. And yeah. since I've been here, I've been seeing that happen, and it's been a fun thing to see. So yeah, it's cool. It's always fun to revisit that. But absolutely, we'll have a lot of content after reviewing this for our next <laughs> for our next talk, and Here's hopefully, y'all will join us. Please leave tons of comments if you're watching this on a video service or. Um, wherever you, wherever, wherever you're we, listening. Yeah, I know that we're going to syndicate to a few different platforms, so we appreciate you joining us, and thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one.